Welcome in to Clearing the Board Podcast, a podcast for chefs by chefs. I'm your host, Drew Archer, just a guy with a microphone and some stories to tell. Let's grab a beer and get started. All right, let's get started. Well, episode three, you got me solo again, uh, no guests, uh, but I think that I got some intriguing material for you today. We're going to talk about sandwiches. I saw something in the news this past week, uh, it's probably close to two weeks ago now, uh, that sparked a emotion uh, within me that uh, gave me the idea to uh, include it in this week's 86 of the week. So this week we will have another 86 of the week, and it is a current event. And it is one that uh, honestly kind of got under my skin and wanted to talk about it here. So um, the 86 of the week is actually what sparked the theme of today's episode. Uh, Along with the 86 of the week, we will be drinking Edmund Ost. Let me repeat myself because I messed up saying that one. Edmonds Oast out of Charleston, South Carolina. This has become one of my favorite beers. Uh, I think I've mentioned in previous episodes, I do not really like IPAs a whole lot, but this is one of the few that I enjoy. Um, this is Bound by Time. Bound by Time, made by Edmonds Oast in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, if you've ever been to Charleston, um, or if you have a trip coming up sooner in the future, you have to definitely. Stop in at Edmonds Oast. It's one of the coolest breweries I've ever been to. It's almost like a campus. They have uh, a couple different locations. They have a nicer restaurant. They have a wine shop. They have a cool brew pub. Um, and I've never had a bad beer there. And the restaurant that I work at, we happen to carry uh, Bound by Time pretty frequently and a few other Edmonds Oast beers. And so I decided why not go with something that is, uh, Reliable, something I know I enjoy, and also kind of help promote a South Carolina brewery. So we'll be drinking that, and I'll get into that in a minute. Um, and then the topic of today's show is sandwiches. I found a list online this week. Let's see if I can find the source. Yeah, I found a sandwich top. 50 list put out by Taste Atlas earlier this year. Um, they broke it down into the 50 most popular sandwiches in the United States. 50 is a lot to cover, so I figured I'd knock it down to 25. So today we're going to kind of talk talk about some of the sandwiches that made the list. Some, some I agree, some I disagree with. Um, so we'll kind of talk about that list today as we sip on this Bound by Time. So Let's not wait any longer. I'm going to go ahead and crack this. Uh-oh. Got beer on my keyboard. All right. So, Edmonds Oast, Bound by Time. It's an IPA. Very light in color. One of my biggest drawbacks to IPAs is the bitterness, the hoppiness of it. And for me personally, I don't think they overdo it. Coming from a non-IPA drinker, 
um, because obviously I enjoy this beer. So uh, I think it's a really well done IPA and something I don't mind sipping on while I'm talking to you about sandwiches today. So, like I said, Charleston, South Carolina, Edmonds Oast Brewing Company. Definitely check them out. Another cool thing about Edmonds Oast that I've always really liked is their artwork. The can and the wrapper are very minimalistic and simple. It's a plain silver can with a plain white sticker wrapped around it, but really cool and unique artwork uh, when it comes to each individual beer. So like this Bound by Time has uh, a couple butterflies and an old school pocket watch that looks really cool. Um, and every can looks different, but it always is a plain silver can with a plain white wrapper. Um, no color on the can at all, all in black. Uh, so I like the, the simplistic, but also the details with it. And that's the kind of graphic designer side of me kind of coming out. But check them out. So I brought up this list of top 25 sandwiches. This is uh, kind of where we're going today. And after I kind of talk about a few of them, I'll kind of go into my top five sandwiches. And I'd love to hear. Oh, excuse me. That first of the beer got me. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, what your top five are. Please interact with me. That's the that's the way that you can have an input on the show. And the way to do that is on Instagram. Be sure to follow us on our Instagram account. It's Clearing the Board Podcast. As simple as that. Clearing the Board Podcast. Right now on our Instagram story. I have a poll going of a few sandwich debates that we're actually going to kind of talk about today. Being new to the podcast game, didn't plan accordingly. I put these debates up about 30 minutes before I recorded. Had I had my wits about me, I would have put those up yesterday. That way I could discuss maybe some of your your answers ahead of time. But interact with us on Instagram. That's the way you will be able to get your feedback in your opinions heard, and we'll talk about them on this show as well. Like I said, this podcast is developing. I want to create some structure. That's why I incorporate the opening with the beer, the closing with the 86 of the week, and leave a lot of room for freedom in the middle. But I want to include you, the listener, as well, because nothing like just hearing one person's opinion over and over and over again. I'd like to hear yours. So let's kind of get into this list. Um, like I said, it's from tasteatlas.com and they put it out earlier this year. Can't remember the month, uh, but, and they included the 50 most popular sandwiches in the U.S. Um, I broke it down to, I cut off the 50 through 26 and I'm just looking at the top 25 today. So we'll kind of go through it. Some of them I'll just kind of go into detail about, share some of my opinions about others. We'll just kind of skim over. But coming in at 25, I'm glad to see this on this list. It is one of the most unique sandwiches. It's delicious. It I will occasionally enjoy it when I'm feeling something kind of sweet and heavy. Um, and that's the Monte Cristo sandwich. The Monte Cristo 
if you're not familiar with the Monte Cristo sandwich, it is a deep fried sandwich. It's basically, and I, I may be wrong in saying this, but I believe for the most part it's typically ham, maybe turkey if you prefer, but ham, some kind of cheese, typically uh, Swiss, and either on the sandwich or on the side, some kind of jelly to dip it in. Um, and you make you build that sandwich, dip it in a pancake-like batter and fry it. And then it's topped with powdered sugar um, and served with jelly. So if you are watching your weight, Monte Cristo is not a sandwich that I would recommend you touching. Um, but if you're wanting something different and unique and something you've never tried before, Monte Cristo is definitely one you want to try. Funny story about the Monte Cristo sandwich. Matthew Prater, who was on episode one, he is one of the most healthy people that I know and um, eats real healthy, works out, like is extremely healthy when it comes to health and diet. And I remember he, he came to visit me in Greenville one time and and he was on some kind of cleanse. He really wasn't drinking. He was eating really clean. And he made that like abundantly clear before he came. He showed up with his like meal prepped items. So that no matter what we ate, he knew he was going to eat healthy. Uh, but we went to out to get some drinks and I don't even know what he was drinking while he was out with us. I'm sure he was partaking. Maybe not. Maybe he was just drinking some, some water. But, uh, my wife and I were ordering some food and he just happened to kind of glance at the menu and noticed that they were serving Monte Cristos and the cleanse went out the window. I don't know how long he had this cleanse going on, but for the most of the time he was here on this trip, uh, he was determined and did not deviate from his plan. But the second he saw the Monte Cristo, uh, he had to uh, ditch the cleanse for a moment. And from what he said, that Monte Cristo was worth ditching the, the cleanse. So Monte Cristo, deep fried sandwich. Um, I was happy to see this on this list. Um, I, I might would put it higher than 25, but hey. It's on there. Uh, number 24, pastrami and rye. Personally, I am not a rye fan. And I think we'll get to it. Yeah, we'll definitely get to it later in the list. But a uh, rye sandwich makes, or rye bread makes another appearance. Personally, it's one of those things I wish I liked. I don't like rye bread. I don't like rye whiskey. It's just the, the, the spice or something that I, I really don't care for. But pastrami and rye, 24. 23, um, I'm glad to see this one on there. Kind of giving it a breakfast twist, but bacon, egg, and cheese. Bacon, egg, and cheese. And you can put bacon, egg, and cheese on a lot of things. You can put it on plain white bread. You can put it on a biscuit. You can put it on a bagel. Bacon, egg, and cheese is a classic and definitely deserves to be in the top 25. Number 22 is the meatball sub. I don't know about you, but nothing is better than a meatball sub from time to time. Growing up, and I know this isn't the best quality, but back in the 90s or early 2000s when Subway was on their big uh, kick about being healthy and they had Jared on there as their spokesperson before he uh, turned creepy on us, that was about the time that I started eating it. At Subway, and one of the first sandwiches I ever had, you could debate on the quality of it, but their meatball sandwich. And that was the only thing I ate at Subway as a middle schooler, high schooler, kind of coming up, 
uh, at Subway, and I love to meatball sub. And from time to time, there's nothing better than eating a nice meatball sub, especially when you have really good meatballs. Um, that was basically a uh, a gateway meatball sub, I guess you could say, into the better ones. So, meatball sub coming at 22. 21 is one of my personal favorites. And I don't know where you're listening from, but uh, around here in the South Carolina area, Waffle Houses are everywhere. And one of my favorite things to get a Waffle House is the patty melt. It doesn't make my personal top five that we'll get into later, but uh, it's got to be pretty close. Got to be pretty close. Um, number 20, Sloppy Joe. Sloppy Joe, that's something I haven't had in years. But when I hear Sloppy Joe, it reminds me of my childhood. I probably wouldn't have it higher than some of these ones we've already gone over. Bacon, egg, and cheese. Meatball sub, patty melt, Monte Cristo. But it's always it's always a classic. Looking back on it, I think I probably had a Sloppy Joe once in my adult life. After not having it since I was a kid. And the one thing that stood out to me that I guess I had kind of forgotten about was the sweetness of it, how sweet it was. And I'm a, a big fan of sweet desserts, sweet barbecue sauce, sweet meat, any of that kind of stuff. So though it was good, wasn't as good as I remembered because I guess maybe as I've grown older, I've grown out of enjoying sweeter things. But Sloppy Joe coming in at 20. Number 19, Muffaletta. Muffaletta is one of those sandwiches that, I don't know, it's good. But I seem to forget about it. And I may be mistaken, but I believe it's like a New Orleans classic. Actually, let me just not ramble on and say something wildly inaccurate. And let me just pull up what a muffaletta is. Because, you know, that would be a lot better than standing here talking for four minutes about the wrong complete sandwich. Let me just refresh my memory. All right, yeah, so here it is. Muffaletta, a large sandwich consisting of a split loaf filled with olive salad, salami, ham, mortadella, and cheese such as mozzarella and provolone. It was originally made in New Orleans by Italian immigrants. The sandwich is usually served cold and due to its size is sold in quarters, halves, or full size for the hungriest consumers. So this is, like I said, I love everything on this sandwich, but I don't know. You don't see too many, at least where I'm from here in South Carolina. I worked at one place that ever had muffaletta sandwiches, and I don't recall ever eating anywhere that served muffaletta sandwiches. But they are really good. Like I said, I love everything that goes on there. One of the sandwiches that didn't make the list, it actually, well, it made their list, um, but it missed my cutoff actually came in at 26 was an Italian sub. Um, and that's one of, one of my personal favorites and has a lot of similar ingredients. So, um, muffaletta sandwich, definitely a good one. You'd like to see it on more menus, honestly, uh, because if I saw it on more menus, I'd definitely be eating it a lot more frequently than I have because let's be honest, it's probably been 10 years since I've had one. So muffaletta coming in at 19. You can't list sandwiches without the old reliable tuna salad sandwich. I don't know what more you can say about it. It's a classic. You're short on money. You can get a can of tuna for less than 50 cents. Not the best quality, but hey. Uh, but tuna salad sandwich. A lot of people are very picky 
very particular about tuna salad. One thing, me personally, I do not like relish, so I do not include relish in my tuna salad where some people do. Um, but tuna salad is one of those classics that you see anywhere that typically serves sandwiches. So that is 18. Uh, number 17. Definitely think this should be higher. Um, and this one has been in the news a lot, probably over the last two or three years. Uh, but the chicken sandwich, the chicken sandwich, it seems like every fast food restaurant right now is having some kind of fast food war, uh, or chicken war, excuse me. And I don't know. Maybe I'll have to do a chicken sandwich, uh, episode because, um, I'm very familiar with the Chick-fil-A chicken sandwich. I've eaten that all my life, but I've still not had the Popeyes. I was waiting for the hype to kind of die down and then they discontinued it and then they brought it back and just hadn't got around to having it. So maybe we'll do a chicken sandwich uh, episode, but definitely love chicken sandwich. Been eating the the Chick-fil-A one my whole life. Chick-fil-A is one of my one of the few fast food restaurants that I actually enjoy and eat at relatively frequently. Chicken sandwich coming in at 16 and number uh, 17, number 16 is a breakfast sandwich, which I don't know. I feel a little like this is a bit redundant. Um, having the bacon, egg and cheese at 23 and a breakfast sandwich at 16. What would be on a breakfast sandwich that is better than bacon, egg and cheese? Uh, so that that's, that's one of my first, uh, nitpicks here with this one. I think you just get rid of breakfast sandwiches altogether. I think uh, bacon, egg, and cheese fills that void. At 15, we got the French dip sandwich. French dip is something that has grown in popularity, at least in uh, the part of the country that I live in. But I do know, uh, I guess it's was it Midwest, maybe, that these are popular. Um, it started to work its way down here through some of the chain restaurants that serve them. And you'll start to see some uh, mom and pop restaurants starting to carry this on the menu. Uh, I believe I personally only had this one time. Uh, it was very good. And based on its popularity, I, I think 15 is probably a good spot for that. Uh, number 14, you got Italian beef sandwich. Personally, I'm not crazy about Italian beef. Uh, I wouldn't have it this high up on my list. But hey, there it is. Number 13, a childhood classic. And even now as an adult, I still love it. PB&J, peanut butter and jelly coming in at 13 on their list. Growing up, I always had PB&J with grape jelly. And I just assumed that's the way everybody did. But then get the, go, to, go to lunch at school and you see kids with strawberry and different kinds of jellies. But uh, my preference has always been grape. And I'll even take it a step further. I don't know what they do to them, but Uncrustables are delicious. And it's not just the fact that they don't have crust on it. Something about the creaminess and the way that the peanut butter and jelly come together and the softness of the white bread. I don't know. I know it's a convenience food and probably has a bunch of crap in it that's not good for me, but something about an Uncrustable. Uncrustables and peanut butter and jelly, one of my favorite. And two, on the peanut butter discussion, I always like creamy peanut butter on there. No crunch. I don't like the, the crunchy peanut butter. Number 12 seems like another um, one that could be eliminated. It's just listed as 
hoagie. Right? A hoagie can be a lot of things. What kind of hoagie are we talking about here? Uh, but coming in at 12 is just hoagie. Number 11, po'boy. The classic New Orleans sandwich. Definitely worthy of its ranking at 11. You could honestly say that it could deserve to be in the top 10. I've been to New Orleans one time. Definitely got a po'boy. It's just a classic sandwich. The crunchy, the crunchy outside of the bread, the soft inside. And I like oysters on it. I like shrimp on it. But not being fully versed in New Orleans and, and Cajun and Creole cuisine and culture, um, I was actually just watching something recently. Uh, it was uh, Barstool Sports has a new show with one of their uh, content guys, Roan. He uh starting a food show. He's had two episodes so far. The first one was Cuban Sandwiches. And the second one was uh, po'boys. And there's a lot of things they're putting on po'boys that I didn't realize were, I guess, accepted. Usually when I hear po'boy, I think of shrimp, oysters, that kind of thing. Uh, But they were putting beef and different kinds of barbecue sauce. And they were some Korean influence from some of the Korean population down there and doing almost like a banh mi po'boy fusion. That was definitely cool and informative because, like I said, I always thought it was seafood that went on uh, po' boy. But I'm the first to admit I don't know everything. So coming in at 12, and I just mentioned it, Cuban sandwich. This is one of my favorite sandwiches. Honestly, just one thing ruins it for me. Pickles. I don't like pickled cucumbers. I know everybody loves them, but it's not something I can get behind. I don't like cucumbers. To begin with, so I can understand why I don't like pickles. Um, but I do like everything else pickled. Any other vegetable, give it to me. Pickled beets, pickled onions, pickled okra, pickled asparagus. I love it all. Just don't like pickled cucumbers. So anytime I'm eating a Cuban sandwich, I'm getting it without pickles. I know that's a big part of it, but it's still up there as one of my favorite sandwiches. But Cuban sandwich, classic. Number nine is a little bit more of a uh, recent addition, I would say. Um, it's become popular uh, with the Instagram crowd, uh, the avocado toast, which it gets a lot of hate from foodies and, and chefs alike and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, it's good. Yeah, sure, it's an Instagram fad, but it's good. As a chef, it's extremely easy to make. Uh, so it's not really something that I would really complain about if I had on my menu. It's definitely become a brunch staple. So yeah, avocado toast. My wife has avocado toast almost every morning, uh, with a fried egg on top. And one thing that the last few times I've made it at home that I've done is taking some of the everything bagel seasoning from Trader Joe's and putting that on there. That's really good with avocados and eggs. And so give that a shot. Number eight is a sandwich that I have always wanted to have and have never tried. The lobster roll. The lobster roll is one of those New England classics. And it just looks so delicious. But I've refrained from getting it in times I've been to restaurants that have it on the menu because I don't know. South Carolina's on the coast here. We're not getting lobsters. I guess I want to be where the lobster is literally the freshest. 
before I have it. That's one of those sandwiches that I won't get until I go to the source. I feel like that it's an expensive sandwich. It's definitely, it has to be delicious. Um, what's not to like about it. Um, but it's one of those ones that I'm kind of just holding out for, waiting for the right time, waiting for the right place and the best quality ingredients. But I definitely have no problem with that being there at eight, even though I haven't tried it. Number seven is another classic, the club sandwich. The club sandwich is unique in that it is a double-decker sandwich. Um, it's one of the few uh, double-decker sandwiches out there. I have no complaints about a club sandwich. It's delicious. Turkey, bacon, lettuce, tomato, mayonnaise, mustard if you like it. It's great. Instant classic. It's on sandwich trays and at parties for a reason. It's good. Everybody likes it. What's not to hate? Uh, number five. Number five seems a little bit basic to me. Seems like this should be one of the sandwiches that was back towards the bottom of the list. But roast beef sandwich. Um, hey, I like roast beef. But, I don't know. This seems a little basic for the top five, which it's at five. Um, and then I'll kind of tie that into number four. Similar to when we had our, uh, similar to 12 where it was hoagie. Coming in at number four is just submarine. Those are way too broad, in my opinion, to be included in the top five, roast beef and submarine. Uh, so that's a big problem I have with this list. But, hey, hit me up on Instagram and let me know what your thoughts are with that. Number three is um, a sandwich that I do not like, but it's something that I want to like. But it has literally everything on it that I do not like. Uh, and that would be the Reuben. I already mentioned to you, don't like rye bread. But I also do not like Thousand Island dressing. I do not like sauerkraut. Those are three of the main ingredients that are non-negotiables for Reuben's that I just don't like personally. So, But it's it's weird because it's one of those things. That's one of two things that I know of, and I'm sure there's probably more, that I personally don't like, but I wish I did. I really want to like a Reuben. I just can't. I really want to like, um, why am I forgetting this drink? Oh, Bloody Mary. I really want to like Bloody Marys. They look good, especially with all these Instagram worthy pictures of them that have like bacon and cheeseburgers hanging off the side of them. But I just I can't get down with drinking spicy tomato juice in the morning. I have real bad acid reflux as it is, and that does not work for me. Uh, but Rubens and Bloody Marys are two things that, hey, I want to like them. I just don't. Um, so Ruben at number three. Number two, BLT, bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Um, though a very good sandwich and a classic, I think two's pretty lofty for a BLT. And... I would agree probably with the number one selection, um, according to Taste Atlas, the number one sandwich in the United States, a grilled cheese, which I love grilled cheeses. I had grilled cheeses last week, made some tomato soup, some grilled cheese. They go great together. But a little disappointed with the top five of this list with roast beef sandwich, submarine, Reuben, BLT, and grilled cheese. They seem a little basic. They seem a little... Um, broad especially with the submarine but that's their top 
25. Let me know what your thoughts are on Instagram and hit me up with your top five. Uh, before I get into my top five, I need to make a few um, points, go over a few criteria for this, uh, because I may say something on this top five list and you're going to be like, what? All right. So I want to tell you what the definition is of a sandwich. All right. Because that's important. A sandwich typically consists of bread. All right. I can come in a variety of different ways from plain white bread to pita bread to, uh, I don't know, a corn tortilla or dough. All right. So the bread is, um, it's pretty broad for what can be considered a bread for a sandwich. Uh, a sandwich typically has a spread as well. Now, this isn't one that is a deal breaker for determining if something's a sandwich or not. Uh, but spreads are typically things like mayonnaise and butter. Uh, it's a very small category. Not every sandwich obviously has this. Uh, so that's why it's not a deal breaker, but a lot of sandwiches do. Uh, but the other two requirements for a sandwich has to have a filling. The filling is the main um, ingredient or main flavor of the sandwich. So if we're talking Philly cheesesteak, cheesesteak is the filling. All right. If we're talking grilled cheese, the cheese would be the filling. Um, and then the final thing that a sandwich needs is accompaniments. Accompaniments. It's one of my favorite words to say. It's one of my favorite things to get my students to repeat back to me when we're on this subject of sandwiches. Accompaniments are things that accompany. Uh, now I can't say it. Uh, things that go with the sandwich that enhance it. Uh, having lettuce on a club sandwich isn't going to make or break the sandwich. It just elevates it or enhances it. All right. So accompaniments include pickles, lettuce, tomato, onions, those kind of things that you add to a company. I can't say that word. I can only say accompaniment. I can't say it in the other form, but to go with the sandwich, to enhance it, to make it better. So that's it. A bread need a sandwich needs bread, a spread sometimes, filling and accompaniments. And in the sandwich world, there are two categories, hot and cold. All right. Grilled cheese is obviously a hot sandwich, whereas a PB&J would be a cold sandwich. All right. So sandwiches are broken into those two categories. And then within the, the sandwich world, you have some different or unique styles of sandwich. One one of those would be an open face sandwich. You've probably seen open face sandwiches before. Um, and an open face sandwich is simply a sandwich that has just one piece of bread. Just eaten with one piece of bread. And usually it's eaten with a fork and knife. Some open face sandwiches can be eaten with your hands, and we'll kind of get into that here in a minute. Because I'm going to make a bold claim that's going to throw some people off. Open face sandwich is just one piece of bread. Um, another unique style is deep fried. We talked about that with the Monte Cristo. And then tea sandwiches. Tea sandwiches are just small bite size uh, hors d'oeuvre style sandwiches that you will see in parties and that sort of thing. So based off this criteria, 
knowing the components of the sandwich, knowing that they can be both hot and cold, knowing that a sandwich doesn't need two pieces of bread. Here are a couple things that are sandwiches that you may not associate as a sandwich. One that will immediately throw most people off is pizza. Pizza is a sandwich. It is an open-faced, hot sandwich. And I know what you're saying. Why do they call it pizza pie? I don't know. But by definition, and according to the National Restaurant Association, a pizza is a hot, open-faced sandwich. Now, if you have a problem with me saying that, you're probably going to really have a big problem with this one. Tacos are a sandwich. So, if you're eating a taco, you're eating a sandwich. A euro is a sandwich. And one that I see on uh, social media a lot that seems to be a big debate. It's plain and simple to me, but it seems to get a lot of reaction on, on social media. Hot dogs. Hot dogs are a sandwich. Hamburgers are a sandwich. So, there are things that you've been eating your whole life that you associate in its own category, like talk to most people, tacos is a category of food. Pizza is a category of food. Just like sandwiches are a category. Despite being known as their own category, they are in fact a sandwich uh, by definition. So I kind of had to give you that spiel before I gave you my top five because that may have thrown you off when you saw what I included on my top five. So before I get into my top five, I want to talk about honorable mentions. One of my honorable mentions is the Italian sub. Since I've gone pescatarian, one of the biggest things I miss is an Italian sub from Jimmy John's. I love Italian subs. So that was an honorable mention. But one of the biggest honorable mentions, and this may be something that sounds weird, especially depending on where you are from and what you grew up eating. But my first honorable mention, probably coming in at six, just outside of my top five, would be a tomato sandwich. Tomato sandwiches are a popular item eaten during the summer here in the South. Now, only in the summer, summer is the key there. Me personally, and A lot of people in the South do not eat tomatoes unless they're in season. Now, I'll go back to that. I do eat tomatoes year-round. If I'm making marinara sauce, I'm not buying fresh tomatoes. I'm buying canned San Marzano tomatoes. If I'm making chili, I'm buying canned tomatoes. But if we're talking fresh tomatoes, I will not eat one unless tomatoes are in season. All right? Because things taste better when they're in season. They have more nutrition when they're in season. They're more likely grown outside than in a greenhouse when they're in season. Uh, So during the summer, that is the only time I eat tomatoes. And when I have fresh tomatoes, one of my favorite things to do is to make a tomato sandwich. And a tomato sandwich is very simple. Here in the the region uh, that I live in, in in South Carolina and the surrounding area, a tomato sandwich is white bread, tomato, seasoned with salt and pepper, mayonnaise, but 
there's a very important detail about the mayonnaise. If you're going to listen to this podcast for any further episodes, you're going to hear me probably talk about this mayonnaise many times. Duke's mayonnaise. Duke's mayonnaise is a must in my house, in this city, and for the most part in the state of South Carolina. Duke's mayonnaise is uh, made literally five miles from where I'm sitting right now. And if you go anywhere, you go to a party and somebody brings some chicken salad. Oh, did you use Duke's mayonnaise with that? Like people will ask you specifically because if it's not made with Duke's mayonnaise, they're not going to eat it. Me personally, I don't eat any other mayonnaise unless it's Duke's. Um, so for me, very important part. If we're having a tomato sandwich and it needs to, um, and it's going to be my honorable mention, it has to have Duke's mayonnaise. And kind of combining two worlds for me personally, I'm a huge college football fan. And um, the bowl game in Charlotte is now the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl, which I just find hilarious. If, you, if you're if you on Twitter and you're into college football, definitely check out the Duke's Mayonnaise Bowl Twitter account. It's very humorous. Um, I'd say it's the Wendy's of college football bowl games when it comes to its Twitter presence. Very funny. So. But Duke's mayonnaise on a tomato sandwich, nothing better. And I got to kind of wrap it up because who knew I could talk for this long about sandwiches. So let's get into my top five. Coming in at number five, you've probably heard of this, but I'm very particular about this. Pimento cheese. I don't like just a plain pimento cheese sandwich. I like grilled pimento cheese sandwich. So combining a pimento cheese sandwich and a grilled cheese together. Uh, so that would be number five on my list of top five sandwiches. Number four, which we haven't talked about anything in that top five, top 25 list that use this as a bread. Uh, so this is the first appearance of this one, but country ham biscuits. I love country ham and I love biscuits. Country ham, if you've never had it, it's obviously really popular here in the South, uh, but think really salty ham. Uh, so salty. Typically it's served really thin and on a nice buttery biscuit. It's amazing. It's a great Saturday morning breakfast food. Number three, when it comes to this food, I don't typically like all the flair and the cool and unique ingredients that people are putting on it. When it comes to a cheeseburger, I just want a classic cheeseburger. If if we're talking national restaurants that I like that have the best cheeseburger, I would say Five Guys. They don't go crazy with the options. Now, granted, they have a whole list of things that you can put on there. Uh, but when I go to Five Guys, I literally get a cheeseburger with grilled onions and sometimes bacon. And then my typical condiments, mayonnaise, mustard, that sort of thing. You can save me the goat cheese. You don't need to put the candied maple bacon on top. I don't need the avocado smash. A classic American cheeseburger with all the classic toppings. What's the old uh, Jimmy Buffett song? I like mine with lettuce and tomato, fried pickle, and French fried potato. All right, you just need a classic hamburger, and that comes in at number three on my list. Number two is where I would have thrown you for a curveball had I not 
broke the news to you about pizzas being a sandwich, but number two is a classic Neapolitan style margarita pizza. I don't know what I can say about it. Uh, it's one of the most perfect things ever created by man. Neapolitan style margarita pizza. It's simple, but it's perfect. And personally, I don't like a lot of crust. So the Neapolitan thinner style cooked in a wood fire oven is one of the best things that man has ever created. And I'll stand by that. And then number one, my personal favorite sandwich, the Philly cheesesteak. That was the only sandwich in my top five that was in uh, the 25 that I listed off from Taste Atlas. So Philly cheesesteak is just one of those American classics that if I know a place has a good Philly cheesesteak, I don't need to look at the menu because that's what I'm going to get. I've never been to Philadelphia. Really want to go there one day. I love history. I know it's a super historical town and I love Philly cheesesteak. So one day I look forward to going and eating a Philly cheesesteak in Philly. So that is my top five. I know it went kind of long on this one. You might be hungry after all this sandwich talk. Um, but before I let you go, I want to get into 86 of the week. After all, the 86 of the week is what spurred the whole topic of today's show. We'll be talking about sandwiches in 86 of the week. So let's get into it. This week's 86 of the week starts with where I ended my top five in Philadelphia. I saw this on Twitter last week where um, this chef who's celebrating his birthday wanted to break the Guinness Book of World Records for the longest Philly cheesesteak, which based on what I just said, Philly cheesesteak being my favorite sandwich, you'd think that that would be something I'd be uh, about. But upon further investigation and looking at this picture, this guy's a fraud. This isn't a four, or excuse me, this isn't a 510 foot long Philly cheesesteak. This is just two, 300 some odd, two foot long Philly cheesesteaks. They're normal Philly cheesesteaks put in a line. That is not a 410-foot-long Philly cheesesteak. That's just a bunch of Philly cheesesteaks in a line. So that's my 86 of the week. I'm 86, and this cafe owner, what the what's this guy's name? Rene Kobiteri, K-O-B-E-T-E-I-T, sorry, R-I. Um, but he invited a bunch of people over to celebrate his birthday, and they shut down uh, multiple blocks in the city of Philadelphia uh, last week to attempt to break the Guinness Book of World Records for longest Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Now, I don't know if they ended up getting credit for that record. I do know that Guinness Book of World Records was supposed to be on hand, um, but they don't deserve it. That is not a 500 foot long sandwich. That is just a line of sandwiches. That's like saying if you stacked up a bunch of men named Drew in a line, then we could call ourselves the world's tallest Drew. That makes no sense. All right. So this guy, what's his name? Rene. He's a fraud. All right. Whether he got the award or not, he's a fraud. 
All right. A 510 foot long Philly cheesesteak is made of one piece of bread, not 510 individual one foot long sandwiches. So that is the 86 of the week. If he's not careful, he may end up having me 86 the whole city of Philly. But I can't go that far. Anyways, 86 of the week is done. Our top 25 sandwiches in the U.S. are done. I gave you my top five. Um, And before I let you go, please like and subscribe. Right, Like and subscribe to the podcast. It helps me reach a broader audience. It helps me know that I'm not just talking into a microphone. So like and subscribe wherever you listen. We are on all major platforms now. Apple picked us up. They were the last one to pick us up. Uh, But we're on Spotify, Google Play, all the main ones. So like and subscribe. And then again, follow us on Instagram, Clearing the Board Podcast. And like I said, I'm going to start including some polls on the Instagram stories. You will uh, get a sneak peek of what we're talking about each week. You'll get a sneak peek of maybe the beer that I'm drinking this week. Um, So follow us on Instagram at Clearing the Board Podcast, and I will see you again next week. Peace. Peace.